0: You are listening to Heal Yeah! with Colleen Ziegler, produced by The Lighter Side Network. Visit thelightersidenetwork.com for hundreds of video episodes and podcasts exploring wholeness living, trans channeling, energy work, and more. The Lighter Side Network, where the everyday meets the extraordinary.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heal Yeah! podcast. I am your host, Colleen Ziegler, and today I am in the studio with Ashley Jones. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Colleen. How are you? I am great. I am so happy that you're here. And I can't wait to share your story and the work that you are doing in this world. I love it. Thanks. Ashley is an author, and she's also the founder of Love Not Lost, and you can find her at lovenotlost.org. She is also the creator of HowCanILoveYouBetter.com, which is this great resource that we will get into later in the podcast. So Ashley, if we could just get started a little bit with your story and your backstory and and how you came to be where you are
2: today. Sure. So I went to Clemson, did graphic design, got out of school, um, had been dating a man for, you know, three years and we decided to get married. Um, we were pretty young, but we felt like we were, you know, the right ones for each mm-hmm. other so we got married and um it was really it was really funny because on our 1 year anniversary we l- were in Charleston and had a champagne toast and we cheered to the fact that we like didn't have any babies because his parents got pregnant on their honeymoon with him or like shortly after mm-hmm. like it was you know had people counting like eh. um And so we were like, one year, we made it, no babies, whatever. And then like three months later, I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And it was a total surprise pregnancy. And I was like panicked. Like I Mm -hmm. was just like, oh my gosh, like I didn't want to be this young, like having a baby, like what the heck. And I mean, the beautiful thing about pregnancy is that it takes nine months. Mm -hmm. So it gives you time to get used to the idea. Yes. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, like I'll be a young parent. This will be great because when they're older, I'll be younger and like, you know, it'll be fine. And, um, and I, I really had a great pregnancy and I had just quit my web design and development job to pursue freelancing and building my own company. And so I was like, cool, I can build clients while I'm pregnant, take a couple months off and then get back to it. So, that was the plan. And, um, you know, we had Skylar and then at a month old, I noticed something just wasn't quite right. And her right arm kind of came up like a chicken wing. And at the time finding Nemo was like all the rage. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, she's our little Nemo, (laughs) you know, like a little gimp fin. (laughs) Um, And I would pull it down and it would just like slowly come back up seemingly without her controlling it and i had volunteered with severely handicapped children when i was in high school and knew it was not good mm-hmm. um it reminded me a lot of cerebral palsy but with my daughter i could tell that she was mentally there and could track with me and and everything even at a month old she was like exceptionally with it mm-hmm. um so after a bunch of doctor's appointments and specialists and All of that, um, at two months old, we found out that she had a terminal illness called SMA, which stands for spinal muscular atrophy. And at the time, there was no treatment, no cure. And they were like, we don't know how long she is going to live. Most babies don't see their first birthday with her severity of it. And so, um, you know, go home, love her, try and make her comfortable. Um, That's all we can really do. So as parents, obviously, it's like the most devastating news you could ever get. I couldn't eat for like a week. It was just like smoothies to stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, um, I mean, how
1: how do you even begin to process right. that kind of? Yeah, of it news? was
2: it was I mean, it It felt like um, like my insides were going through like an earthquake, tornado, hurricane, like mm-hmm. all at the same time, where it's just like my life literally came crashing down. And I was like, what? First of all, like babies die. Mm-hmm. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like, cause when you have a baby, you're like, Oh, like you just assume that they're going to be healthy because mm-hmm. you just assume that, you know? So it's like, you don't ever like expect the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so it was like, wow, like not only do babies die, but like my baby is going to die. Mm-hmm. And then, What is that going to look like? What do I do with that? And then spiritually, what does that mean? And like, I have to decide what I'm going to do because that's going to direct kind of the decisions we make. And anyway, we, um, my husband and I sat down and we were like, you know, we have two options. We can be depressed about this and throw a pity party and play the victim, um, which like everybody would totally understand. Mm -hmm or we can really try and make the most of this and try and see the positive in everything and really try and enjoy the life that we have. Um and so we chose the latter and really tried to give her as much ex- experiences as you know normal kids have. We took her to the aquarium cuz Finding Nemo was her favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Um and and then had like some of the neighbor kids come and read to her and you know stuff like that. So basically with SMA People never um babies never reach their milestones. Mm. So she could never hold her head up on her own. Um, she had to stay laying down at all time because eventually she lost her ability to swallow. Um, she couldn't control her limbs, and there were just a lot of other things that we started, you know, adding in equipment and therapies and stuff like that to our lives. Um, so yeah, so all of that, um we really made the most of our lives together and We had a lot of friends who, you know, we were the first of all of our friends to get pregnant and Mm -hmm. we were certainly the first of all of our friends to lose a child. So we had a lot of friends who freaked out and didn't know what to do, what to say, and they just disappeared or they couldn't handle it and Mm -hmm. disappeared. Um, But we had some really amazing friends and family and truly even complete strangers who had been through something and knew how important it was to show up and, and love us. And so... That made all the difference. Mm-hmm. And one of those friends gifted us a portrait session. And those photos were just beautiful. Um, not only were they beautiful and, and we were able to enjoy them the moment we received them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But after Skylar died, I just realized the, the profound impact that the photos had. What people don't realize is that the photos not only gave me a way to remember her, which is I think what most people realize, oh, you know, like photos preserve preserve memories. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely true. But for me, what I realized was that photos gave me a space to grieve however I needed to grieve. And they gave me a tangible way to hold her when she wasn't here to Mm -hmm. hold. And so for that, the photos were irreplaceable. yeah. And they were so impactful. And they really gave me a space to grieve and feel everything that I was feeling, which then led me to healing. Mm. And so it was like, wow, if I can just give these photos to other people, maybe it would help them too. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when Skylar died, I used the photos throughout my time to, you know, just manage my own grief. Like when they when she first died, I actually turned all the photos down mm-hmm. in our house, like face down, because they were just so painful. My heart felt like it was ripping out of my chest.
1: I can imagine for you too, as as I listen to you talk, and I, I will never assume the way that you were feeling or the way that other parents sure. feel when their child has a terminal illness. But I can imagine that your your grieving would mm-hmm. start even before Oh, absolutely. Your child passes. Yeah. And in that so and it's a different kind of grieving. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't want to put labels on it, but yeah, to think that the pictures helped during that time mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And then continued.
2: Well, and it was a comfort because I knew I wouldn't forget those moments with her. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't forget that stage of her life. Um so really having those photos gave me peace and comfort knowing like, I will always have those. Like, even when she's gone, I will always have those. And then when she was gone, it was like, like I said, I turned them all down. But then after a week, it was like, man, I just really miss her.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, I miss staring into those deep blue eyes. Like, I miss her little smile. Like, and so I started turning the photos back up. And then it was like, okay, man, like, I just miss greeting her in the morning. And so I would go to the photos and be like, good morning, sweet girl. Mm-hmm. Like, I really miss you, you know? Yeah. Um. And whew, that one got me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so, you know, there were times where I would sit with the photos and just like ugly cry, like snot pouring out of my face. Mm-hmm. But it was.
1: It's like the photos held a space yeah, for you. Yeah,
2: they did. Yeah, they did. And, and they. And
1: like her spirit's holding a space mm-hmm. for you through the photos.
2: Yeah. And the beautiful thing was like, I didn't have to worry about fear or judgment or expectations from anyone else because it was just me in the photos. Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing I don't think that people really understand when even in the best of circumstances, if I show up for someone who's grieving, I have a certain level of expectation of where they might be or how they might be feeling or what I'm walking into, Um, certainly a fear of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or um, you know, whatever. And I think a lot of people, it's okay to still show up in that place, but the photos just gave me a safer place to just be raw. Yeah. Um, and so that was like a really powerful moment for me was like, wow, these photos really allowed me to, to grieve and get all the, the ugly out so that I can heal. And so, um, yeah, so I struggled with what to do with myself after she died because for she actually ended up making it to her first birthday, mm-hmm. which is great, um, with the help of a researcher in Utah who was amazing. Um, and she died at 21 months old. So for almost two years, I was a stay-at-home mom and full-time caregiver. And I was super grateful my husband had a job to allow me mm-hmm. to do that. I can't imagine having to go back to work with that you know that type of situation um but but part of me was lost because it was like not only am I not a full-time mom and caregiver anymore my daughter's gone and I'm a grieving hot mess Mm -hmm. and so I can't go back to the corporate world because it's not a friend of grief I they wouldn't have any understanding or patience or empathy for me at all
1: yeah and that fresh, there's nothing like that fresh grief.
2: Yeah, <laughs> not, right.
1: Not that grief later on is any yeah is any better, but that fresh grief.
2: Yeah, I call like, it the raw grief, yeah, where it's just raw, like everything's raw. Kind of
1: feel like you're crazy, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of better words, you feel like you're completely insane, mm-hmm. and the world doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, and and I'm just after listening to your story too. I mean, you're you're young going mm-hmm. through this. You're really young, and and not a whole lot of um people who understand right. What, you're going through. Right.
2: And there there wasn't anyone who taught us how to grieve. Mm-hmm. Um there wasn't anyone to be like, "Oh, hey, like this might help you or this might help get you through it." And we had some people recommend books but honestly in that raw grief space the last thing
1: you're doing is reading right
2: and so um, i'm just saying from my own personal experience
1: like to sit down with a book i you don't have the mental capacity you don't to process you don't and i just want to say that to everybody Mm -hmm. out there like the books are great but Mm -hmm. when you are in deep grief
2: literally your brain can't do it right yeah it can't do it so the other thing i realized was There are a lot of resources out there that tell you how to feel or what you might expect or what other people might say or all of these things about what you'll experience, Mm -hmm. but then no one's telling you what to do with it. So it's like, okay, great. Like I'm going to be angry and I'm going to be, you know, people are going to say horrible things to me because they just don't know any better. But what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's actually what inspired me to write a book, which we'll talk about later. Yes. Um, but I want, like, that's something that I want to help with and I want to make a difference. And, um, it's kind of ironic that we just said like, oh, books don't help when you don't read. But no, but your book's different. My book and is different. I can't wait so. to share yes. about
1: it because your book is totally different. And I was going to get into that. Yes, but I know. Gonna, we're going to talk about it later.
2: <laughs> so, so yeah. So after, um, You know, after recognizing the photos um, were helpful, and then also just wondering what to do with myself, I was like, you know what, my background's in graphic design, I was doing freelance photography leading up to this, I'm just going to start my own photography company and my own graphic design company, and that will give me the motivation to get out of bed, Mm -hmm. and after that, we'll just see where where it goes and what happens, Um, but that's all I know how to do to pay the bills. And kind of like help contribute again.
1: And I was saying before the podcast started and you were sharing a little bit of your story, and I just want to reiterate, mm-hmm. and I know you said you were a doer, yeah. but to go through such a gut-wrenching experience mm-hmm. and to be laying in bed and trying to figure out how to get through it, I don't think a lot of minds would go to the place of, I'm going to start my own business, mm-hmm. I'm going to teach myself all these new skills. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna rock it. And Mm -hmm. that's what you did. And that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Just takes a lot of courage. Um, it's so hard to pull ourselves out of dark spaces. Mm -hmm. And I just wanna honor anyone who's in a dark space because it that shit is hard. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And to be to be fair, like um for the first month I laid in bed. And I didn't move. And the only reason I got out of bed was because our dog was so well-behaved. He refused to pee on the floor. And I was like, I literally was like face down in my pillow, like just pee on the floor. Yeah, like, like I don't care. I don't want to move. <laughs> but he would be like whining for like over an hour. And I, then I would feel so guilty that I'd be like, okay, fine, I'll get up and take you outside. But but I, I was like in a really tough place. Yeah. And and I think one of the things that helped me was just realizing I don't want to spend the rest of my life like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can see how it would be easy and it would be almost acceptable um, to be like, oh, yeah, she lost her child. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she's just this depressed mess now. And that's just that's normal mm-hmm. and that's OK. But for me, it was like I'm still breathing. Like when her heart stopped, mine kept beating for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't want to waste this. And I think that's the beautiful thing that death can offer us is clarity on what's really important in life. And that time is short, and we do not have that long. And we don't even know how much time we have. And so, like, I could have 40 more years. Mm -hmm. That'd be awesome. But I might only have two. I don't know. And And so, did you
1: feel like all of a sudden it put life? Not into perspective, but it made you view life differently. Absolutely. As, as far as that, all that stuff is very real. Like, we don't mm-hmm. know how much longer we have. So, all of a sudden, like these things like 401ks, and <laughs> it sounds so silly, but yeah. it's like, what the heck? I know I'm going to live now because mm-hmm. we can't plan on anything. Yeah. Right?
2: And uh, yeah. And I think there's like, there's some responsibility to plan for if you do have a lot of time. Yeah, but But not for that to be your main focus. Right, and not for that to sacrifice your enjoyment of the present. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I joke around that um, (laughs) my life before Skylar was like BS, like before Skylar, but also (laughs) like bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Because I – Oh, I like that. Yeah, Yeah. because (laughs) I was like – so concerned with what people thought of me, what labels i was wearing, what kind of car i drove, what my house looked like. i cared about all the things mm-hmm. that society tells us to care about and it didn't matter. Yeah. And as soon as we got that diagnosis, my whole priority shifted and it was like my number one priority is survival for my daughter and then for me and my husband and our marriage. Mm-hmm. And so like once that is your priority, it's a lot easier to let those other things fall off. And then um, I think any moms can relate to this also of just like, you don't really care what you're wearing. It's like the fact that you have clothes on today is an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm showered. This is huge. I'm clean. Um, yeah. and so <laughs> and and that was something I realized too, like in motherhood, especially as a full-time caregiver, too, that's like a whole nother level. Oh, absolutely. Um but Self-care was critical. And for me to be able to take care of my daughter in the best capacity, I needed to be taking care of myself first. And I know, like, everyone uses the whole airplane oxygen mask metaphor. But it's real. It's really real. So Because I was like, if I get sick, I'm quarantined from her. Mm -hmm. Like, if I come down with anything, even a mild cold, I can't interact with her because her immune system is so compromised. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know the germ bubble of like, okay, if anyone even has a sniffle, get out of my yeah. house, you know? Yeah. Um. But, but also just looking at, okay, like if for whatever reason I go down as far as like not being able to care for her, come down with an illness or whatever, it's like someone else has to step in and care for her. And that's like the last thing that I would want mm-hmm. because I know how to care for her the best. Yeah. And so Yeah. So it was, it was really interesting because that obviously clarified, okay, self-care is critical. Um, Our relationships and the love that we share, the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And then really it's like outside of that, like how we treat other people, the relationships that we make and, and the interactions that we have are what last. Right. And then like when we buried her, we had her in my favorite outfit for her. And then like her favorite blanket like that's what we buried her in and that's all that's all we had that's all she took and so it's like when you experience death and you realize you truly do not take anything with you Mm -hmm. but what lasts beyond you is the impact and the relationships that you had and so creating that ripple of care and love and relationship is so important yeah it's beautiful.
1: And, and the truth. Yeah. <laughs> the truth. I'd love to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. the organization yeah. that you started, the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It's called Love Not Lost. Yes. And it has beautiful, um, beautiful graphic design work done Thank by you. Ashley herself. <laughs> just want to compliment you on that because it's really great. Thank you. Um, so explain a little bit about Love Not Lost, mm-hmm. why you started it. I mean, I think you kind of gave us the whole story of why yeah. you started it, but why you felt called to to really start it mm-hmm. and make it more than just an idea and and, and why you chose the name you did
2: sure so um as i mentioned before i started a photography and graphic design company companies and with the photography company i was doing portraits and weddings and they were great but it was just it just kind of felt a little empty mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I know I'm meant to do something more, but I don't know what it is. And so I was like, I'm just going to focus on becoming the best at what I'm doing. And um, and then someone at our church uh, got diagnosed with stage four melanoma cancer, and I was like, wow. My mom had melanoma, like I have precancerous moles. Mm-hmm. So if you see me, I look like, you know, Swiss cheese. People always ask me like, "Did you get a knife fight?" I'm like, "Yeah." Um, but I um I just had like this immense compassion for him cuz I was like, "Dang, like melanoma is so rough. It's so preventable, but mm-hmm. no one caught it." And so I offered a, a free portrait session cuz I was like, "This is the first person that I heard facing a terminal diagnosis and I know how much the photos meant to me. So maybe I can do this for them. And they took me up on it and we did this beautiful session. And if you look at any of our our material, they're kind of like our poster family. Um, So we did their session in front of these big, beautiful hope letters that are no longer in downtown Atlanta, but um, but yeah, it was, it was a beautiful session and they had their kids with them and it was kind of like a dreary night. Like it was drizzling and you're like, should we just postpone? And I was like, honestly, like, we don't know if you have tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So like, let's just get out there and do it. If it's nasty, we can, you know, we can reshoot, but let's just go ahead and <laughs> yeah. capture them. And I just felt so fulfilled that I was like, I am giving these people the gift that I was given. And that's a beautiful thing. And so I ended up um doing another session with them. Rachel called me, I think it was like nine months later, and was like, Hey Kevin, um, Rachel's mom, Kevin's the dad, and Kevin she was like, Kevin's going to LA for last ditch treatment. Would you do another session? It's like great when is he leaving? She was like, tomorrow morning. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like putting down my mojito. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, we'll do a sunrise <laughs> session because the plane left at 10. They had to be there at eight. Oh. I was like crazy. Um, so we did that. And then um, she flew me out to LA because she was like, I don't think he's going to make, this will be our last Christmas. Would you come photograph it? And I was like, well, Christmas is still a hard time for me because mm-hmm. I, I don't have my daughter and that's like, you know, a fun time for kids. But if you're willing to do Christmas like a day or two early, I'll absolutely do it. And then I'll just get back with my family. And we ended up photographing his very last day on earth without knowing it. Mm. And he passed away Christmas Eve morning. And it was just such a powerful experience because going through and being there with him when he passed away, it brought back everything that I felt when Skylar was dying. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh my gosh, why do people suffer? Why do I have to go through this? Why is my heart breaking out of my chest again? Mm -hmm. And it was like, I had this aha moment of like, the suffering changes you. And if you can join people in their suffering, it keeps your priorities in the right place Mm -hmm. and it can um, teach you things if you let it. And so, what I realized in that moment was, "Wow, like I'm supposed to be here, and I'm supposed to do this, and this is this is my calling, yeah. and this is how, for me, I can maintain a life of suffering without having to lose like every single one of my family members, right? Yeah. Um, and don't you
1: feel like too like you you can suffer, but your heart still blows open, and it's like at the same time, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for I sure. I know a lot of people equate it with suffering. I'm going to close down, mm-hmm. and I know that happens, but For those of us who have been through these experiences, it's like a blowing open Mm -hmm. of the heart. And I think that's where that awareness comes in of what's important. Mm -hmm. You know, this non-attachment and this all we need is love. And you you can get real cliche about it, but it's so true.
2: Yeah. So my wedding album vendor that I had been using for weddings – I kind of explained what had happened and I wanted to put a book together for them, like a wedding album quality book and asked them if they would help me on it. And they said they would. And, um, we, we created this beautiful, beautiful album for them. And I gifted it to them not long after he passed away, Mm -hmm. just as a, here are the highlights from your session and you can sit with them and, and be with them however you want. And I Because I went through it as a parent, I wasn't really thinking about how it would affect the kids, but maybe just that it would allow them to grieve too, however they needed to. Yeah. And Rachel called me three weeks, or I'm sorry, three months later and was just like, Ashley, thank you so much for this book. I just want you to know that every time someone new comes to the house, our little daughter We'll take them by the hand and walk them into the living room, sit them down on the sofa and introduce them to her daddy mm. through the photo book. And she has like so much pride and joy every time she does it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea that this book would be a way for this little girl to connect yeah. and still have a relationship with her dad and, and have allow other people to have a relationship with their dad. Mm-hmm.
1: I just, I just was having a thought about how you know what you had said before about you turned all your pictures upside Mm -hmm. down uh, or Mm -hmm. facing down down. of your of your daughter and how many people do do that when Mm -hmm. people pass in their lives they just like they get rid of I'm gonna start crying (laughs) (laughs) um but how important it is to to honor them and to keep them present for all of us, not just, I was going to say, especially for children, um, but, but for all of us and the work that you're doing is so needed and so beautiful. And I'm so glad that you found it. And I didn't want to cut you off. Yeah, I just no, really needed good. to say that. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's, it's so beautiful. Um, And the lives that you, are touching. Yeah. And continue to touch.
2: So, yeah. And that's really like kind of how love not Lost came about is I did this session and then I volunteered another session and I volunteered another session. And every time there were just these really impactful stories coming out of the impact that the photos had and how they helped them truly through the grief. And as I was doing more and more, my husband was like, honey, I love your giving heart. (laughs) But also, we have our own bills to pay. Please, please, please stop giving everything away. <laughs> and I was like, I hear you, and I love you, too. Yeah. But also, like, I'm not charging a single thing to these families. And so I was like, if I'm willing to give it all away, yeah. I think I can find other people who have resources who are willing to help me give it all away. And so that's actually what led me to starting a nonprofit, because I was like, not only do I want to give it all away, <laughs> but I want to do this on a much bigger scale yeah. because this needs to be done at a national or global level even to where we're providing portrait sessions to anyone and everyone facing a terminal diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So that's really how love not lost got started. And it was actually going to be the Skylar project oh, I and the that. tagline was love not lost. And then, um, through like starting the, the nonprofit and some of the legal stuff, we just kind of decided that love not lost would be an, a better name that was more applicable to everybody mm. um more universal so we went with that i had another thought
1: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh what also the work you're doing really normalizes terminal illness mm-hmm. it it you know it, never to use the word normal but it does it it makes It just opens it up and says, this is what people are going through and let's Mm -hmm. take a picture of it and let's like, this is what my family is and there's nothing Mm -hmm. to be sad about and there's nothing to be ashamed about and Mm -hmm. just, this is who we are and let's record it like that. I think so many things so often are not, they're just so hidden, yeah, you know,
2: and this, this brings it out into the open. For sure. And I think with the terminal, like, photographing people and, you know, we try and get as early of a diagnosis as we can so we can still make, like, really fun, joyful memories. Um, But we we encourage people. It's like, it's okay if you cry during the session or are a little bit sad during the session because – or a lot sad during the session because it's like part of even the session is acknowledging – what's coming and why you're doing the session is to preserve these memories and to really celebrate the life and the love that you have. And so, you know, that's something I didn't really expect was that the the photo session itself was like a catalyst of grieving and helping people process. Yeah. Um, and then getting the photos and then also using them after someone passes away is – it's just like a, a whole journey that I didn't even – have the capacity to see when I was creating it, but how it's just given people more space and freedom to to feel.
1: So is your organization right now at a national level or are you just in Atlanta right now?
2: So right now we are just in really the north half of Georgia. Okay. So we launched in Atlanta and have been growing and trying to figure out the systems that we need to scale to a national level. Mm And I'm excited to say that we are getting close. Um, I, mean, I can feel, I can feel that yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah it's, and it's really love cool. And it's lovenotlost.org. I don't yes. know if we ever
1: threw in the full
2: Yeah, the full website. And we, um, so we do photograph, uh, probably like every year we photograph a handful of out-of-state applicants. Mm-hmm. And we raise the money to travel and and serve with them. Or if we can get airline miles donated or rental car days donated or whatever. Um, but that helps us cover the travel to get there and photograph them until we can expand our photography Mm -hmm. program. So we, my board right now is developing a city expansion plan that we hope to start expanding as soon as the, um, like probably the end of 2020 is when we're looking to expand and kind of get to another state. And, we are, one, just really excited about that. Yeah. And then we'll you know, kind of move up the East Coast and get to the West Coast and yeah. meet back in the middle.
1: I love your vision. Thank you. It, you were just like so on it. Yeah.
2: I <laughs> just love it. Um, and so that's very exciting. But then what's been really cool about Love Not Lost is the driving question is how can we love people better?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And really when we started showing up for people, there were some people that we showed up for that we were the only ones. We we're the only ones. And we are like, this is so wrong.
1: I also think that a lot of people assume everybody else is reaching out to mm-hmm. these people going through this really hard time. Please do not be afraid about dropping something off at someone's house, mowing your neighbor's lawn that needs mowed, and don't assume that everyone else is taking care of them because people are scared of this mm-hmm. stuff. They are. I mean, yeah. we're, we're humans. Right. I'm scared. You're scared. Even though I'm scared. Yeah, know. absolutely. You know, it's yeah. it's scary to mm-hmm. try to figure out what to do. So with your website, how can I love you better dot mm-hmm.
2: Talk about that. For yeah. A second. So that was that was one of the first tools that we created to kind of bridge the gap, because what we realized was it wasn't that people didn't care. hmm. It was like they didn't show up because they didn't know what to do. Yep. Or, and they didn't have a way to ask or they didn't have, yeah, the, just the knowledge. guilty of
1: going, just reach out if you need anything.
2: Right. Right, yeah. Tell me if you need anything. Yeah, they're not going to reach out. No. 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 And so, <laughs> so I created this postcard. And they need something. <laughs> yeah. So I created a postcard. Um, and on the back, it just says, I know life is hard for you right now and I want to help, but I may not always know how. Please let me know how I can love you better and show up in a tangible way during this time of your life. And we kept it very generic, so it could be used for any situation, not Mm -hmm. just a death or a terminal illness, but a divorce, a job loss, like any type of- New baby. Yeah, new baby for sure. Um, And so it has check boxes like yard work, bring you a meal, clean your house, do your laundry, shop for groceries, whatever. Um, Sit and talk, bring you coffee take you out, give you a hug, you know. Um, And it has blanks for people who want to offer. Like, if I know you have kids, Mm -hmm. I could say, oh, I'll take your kids for an evening, just give you a night off. Or if you have a dog, I'll take your dog for the weekend or I'll walk your dog for a week or whatever.
1: Which is huge.
2: Yeah. And it's a postcard so you can give it to someone and they can mail it back to you. Or you can mail it to someone and then they can give it back to you. And it says, um, please give this back to me or mail it to me as a postcard. If there's something else not included on this card, or if you'd like to be left alone, please don't hesitate to tell me. I am here for you. (laughs) And I think that's so important because even though if you think someone wants to be left alone, the fact that you reached out matters. Yeah. Like that lets them know that they're cared for even if they want to be alone because i know like my husband's an introvert and people were deathly afraid to like talk to him because yeah. they knew he's like very introverted and closed off and like you know not a social person whereas i'm more the opposite but you still need to feel loved right and we all feel loved in different ways right and real quick the um Brené Brown said a quote that really impacted me i love her i know she's great um and She said the absence of love is suffering. And what made me kind of stop in my tracks when I heard that was like, man, everyone I work with and myself included, like when you're in the suffering, you are already suffering situationally. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So like there's nothing you can do about that. Like you're suffering hardcore. But when you're unloved, that's additional suffering on top of the suffering that's already happening so if we can show up and love people better, like that is easing some of that suffering. Mm-hmm. And the, the cool thing was with uh, my husband and I, too, is like we were so broken. Like we were so broken. We did not have the capacity to love ourselves, mm-hmm. let alone each other. Mm-hmm. And um, when Skylar died, it was like, oh, it was rough. It was really rough. And I wasn't sure if our marriage was going to make it because I was like, Like, yeah, we did not love each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And but like every person just to give yourselves a hug. How can you how
1: can you right? And
2: that's and and I mean, there were times where we could love each other. But the point is, like, every person who showed up to love us filled up our tank a little bit more than being on empty. Mm -hmm. And so every person who showed up to love us gave us a greater capacity to love ourselves and each other. And for me, that's why the driving question of love not lost is how can we love people better. So um, we actually turned that postcard um, with the help of Dragon Army in Forty Eight and Forty Eight. Um, they created a digital version of the postcard that can be found at howcaniloveyoubetter.com.
1: That you can. It will even go on your calendar, so someone can tell you their needs, mm-hmm. and you can check, and it will go on your yes. There's a calendar, calendar
2: plugin on the digital form. Um, We also on the digital form, so like we know like some people don't want to talk in like love language. And so we have like a close version and then a casual version. So also feel like you're dealing with a coworker and you're like, I don't want to say like, how can I love you better? Yeah. Or especially like guy and a girl, because that can be, you know. Like a little yeah. touchy. Oh gosh, I'm all about the love. I'm just <laughs> Yeah, I know. And I feel like there are some people who are just more like, Oh yeah, let me love you better, no yeah. problem. And some people are like, What? Like No, I
1: don't want you to love me.
2: Yeah. yeah. Or like, why would you even say that? So
1: what's the casual version? Just um, curious. I didn't even realize that was an yeah,
2: option. <laughs> yeah, I'm I think I'll have to look, but I think how can we, I kind of like you? Well, <laughs> it it I think it says like how can I show up for you during oh, this time? That's good, or you know, like something that's just more not so lovey. Yeah, and we tried to yeah. brand it more like blues and greens <laughs> instead of like warm pinks and oranges and yellows. So, well, I love the concept, no matter how you word it, and I mm-hmm. and I think that's great that
1: you've worded it in two different ways because mm-hmm. there are people who do have this attachment to what love means, and right. it's not always this romantic love. Right. You know, right. we can love. I mean, I love you and I just met you today, you know, I love Jesse over here, but that's me, yeah, you know, <laughs> same. but I understand that that might be too much mm-hmm. for some people. I want to talk about your book real quick yeah, before we wrap up. So you are currently writing a book mm-hmm. and it's called Standing Alone, mm-hmm. The Active Guide to Grieving. Yes. I want to talk about this because earlier in the podcast, we talked about grief books mm-hmm. and how people going <laughs> through grief don't necessarily have the brain capacity. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the exact scientific term is, but it actually is a thing mm-hmm. to sit there and read a book yeah. of, of any kind, Focus. Let, let alone mm-hmm. what they're going through. Um, you know, you might pick it up two years later, but right. by then you haven't learned right how to grieve. So talk a little bit about your book and mm-hmm. what is an active guide
2: to yeah. grieving? Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I realized was just what we said earlier is that a lot of people don't have the capacity to sit down and read a book. Um, some people don't have the capacity to read a blog, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like really short a text message. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. yeah. And, and the key is knowing yourself and what your capacity is. Um, but also for me writing the book, it was okay. How can I love people better in this raw grief? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like there are resources for people outside of that. Um, so how can I, how can I love these people better? And really going back to that time for me, it was like, wow. Okay. So like, I just wanted pieces of information and I needed someone to tell me what to do with everything. So for example, um, you know, there's this, everyone talks about the five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Well, Elizabeth Kubler Ross wrote. Like her research was on the five stages of grief specifically for people who were facing their own death. So those five stages were for people facing their own death. But because it was the first grief research Mm. that was like widely published, applied
1: to everything. Everyone
2: used it as a blanket of like, okay, five stages of grief for everybody in every situation, (laughs) you know, and it was like, oh God, no. (laughs) Like, no. And And now like that's caused a lot of pain. Because people are like, well, you know, I'm going to experience anger and depression mm. and, you know, resentment or acceptance or yeah. whatever, you know. So much more complex than that. And and a lot of times people view stages as linear. And it's like grief is not linear. Yeah. Like you are all over the place. And even when you think you're out of it, like a tidal wave is going to come back and like punch you down mm-hmm. <laughs> into the depths. And then you're going to be like, oh, no, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes you might not even realize that's what it is. Right. Yeah, for sure. So there's Absolutely. that too. Right. Yeah. So one of the things, um, I wanted to give people space to also, it, it's almost like a relationship, um, or an outlet where it's like, I'm going to give pieces of information and guidance, but then I want people to actively do something with it. Cause the other part is like, okay, well, even if, the stages of grief applied, like, okay, you're going to feel this, you're going to feel this, you're going to feel this. And then like, people might do this or might say this, but it's like, okay, so I have all of like, what's going to happen or what could happen. But once you're in it, like, what do you actually do with that? Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of my book will be focused around self-care and self-awareness. So knowing yourself, knowing, knowing how you process things, knowing what you need, and then Listening to your body to understand what it is that will actually help you process and move through an emotion instead of getting stuck in it. Mm. And then also from that, looking at, okay, here are some stories that can maybe help you learn nuggets or take things, but but they're not meant to be like this is what is going to be your reality. Yeah. Um, because I think sometimes when a whole book is just about one story and people read it, it's like, oh, that's the only thing. So I'm going to have pieces of different stories scattered throughout the book to share this is what grief looks like and mm-hmm. it's different across every situation. And so um, there will be spaces in the book to take notes. There will be spaces. Um, so is it going to be a built-in
1: workbook yeah. with so the it, book? It, yes. Okay.
2: Yes. So that's my other <laughs> my other pain point with <laughs> with some of the – help books out there is that it comes with like a downloadable workbook or like at the end of the book you have all this blank space but there's so many times I want to write when going through it Mm -hmm. or if they wait to the end of the chapter it's like oh now I have to go back and read and like revisit what I just read and I lost my place and
1: what that allows for is pause too Mm -hmm. which we need and it, it puts all of the the words in a much more like a bite size mm-hmm, so you exactly. Can, you can get a little bit of it and you're not feeling like you have to read chapters and chapters. Right.
2: Yeah. So it, it, it will be very much, um, it is not designed to be done in one sitting at all. And so you can pick it up, you can jump to different parts, every part it, it's like they're independent. So you don't have to read it like a storybook either. Um, and I really wanted to give people small digestible bites and then activities to actually help them build their own self care program, of this is what's going to help me, mm-hmm. and this is how I can apply it. And then, you know, stories are woven in because it's, they're just enjoyable, so it's not all workbook. Yeah. Um, and and it allows people to stop and jump to different sections or or whatever. So, anyway, I'm really Yay. excited about it. I hope it's a helpful resource, and I'm sure I'll have different additions as I. You know, get in and learn more, and Absolutely. share more, and all of that. What
1: do you have an estimated time of when it's going to be available?
2: Sometime in twenty twenty.
1: Okay, um,
2: that's a good. That's a good. Yes, year. <laughs> yes. Not sure exact date yet, but.
1: Well, I am so happy that you joined me today, Ashley. Thank I, you. I just, I mean, I could record like a three hour podcast with you. <laughs> I, re- I really could. It's you're so easy to talk to, and I just love your story, and I love the work you're doing. Um, I wanted to mention that you are going to be at Luma Summit this year for those listeners that are familiar with Luma Summit at the Center for Love and Light. Ashley is one of the featured speakers and you're going to be taking the audience through Mm -hmm. what you're talking about in your book.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So there'll be a little bit of the self-care exercise of, you know, how do you build your own self-care toolkit? Because self-care is such a buzzword now. It's like self-care, self-care. But again, it's like, how do you do self-care?
1: Not like, just, not just you have to do it, but right. here's, here's right. how. Right. And here's how during tough times.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: This is our season finale, episode number 15 of the Heal yeah podcast. I am thrilled that we got to this point. <laughs> <laughs> I know in the world of podcasting, you know, you look at podcasts and there's so many episodes, but for me to make that commitment to myself to put 15 out there, amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Do you have anything else that you would like to share with our listeners before we sign off today?
2: Figure out who you are, right? Because we're all so unique and Mm -hmm. so different and create space to listen to your body and give yourself opportunities to really think and process. So whether that's meditation or yoga or a massage or whatever it is, like create space for you to unwind and process and truly rest.
1: That's great advice. It's so true. We talk about this a lot, about getting to know your needs Mm -hmm. and having those needs met. And you will be able to process life Mm -hmm. so much easier because life is going to give us all kinds of stuff.
2: (laughs) When we're just inundated with like noise, you know, it's like, it's so easy. Like it's so easy to check out on Instagram or play video games or go to a bar and drink or whatever it is. And I know it's uncomfortable to sit with the hard emotions, but if you can really just like sit with them and let your body feel them, like that's the first step in healing. Yeah. One program that I, I didn't mention that I want to just touch on for a brief minute is as we've asked the question, how can we love people better? You know, we have our community support resources. We have empathy cards. We have the, how can I love you better postcard in the .com. We have gift accession certificates. We have other stuff like that. But we're launching a corporate care program to bring our grief and empathy and self-care and awareness training to the workplace as well. Mm. And that's something that's really important because people give so much of their time and their lives to companies. Mm -hmm. And when their worlds come crashing down, it's very rare that companies have an environment and a culture that can support people in that.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's their sayings around leave your stuff at
0: home.
2: Right, (laughs) right. And it's and when your you life can't leave com- that right stuff you at can't. Home. and and so then when it does come into the workplace people get uncomfortable yeah. and so that's something that we're working to change too to revolutionize the way we grieve and support people in all areas of their life.
1: Awesome! Thank you so much for joining me today, Ashley. You're such a joy, and I'm you. so happy for everything that you are doing in this world. Thank like you I so much. Support you a thousand percent. <laughs> If you enjoyed today's episode and other episodes of Heal Yeah, we would really love for you to subscribe and leave us a review, and that's how you can love us better. (laughs) (laughs) Great. And these stories are so, so important, so the more that you subscribe and the more that you review us, the more that it gets out there and the more that Mm -hmm. the people can find out about the work that Ashley's doing and about these transformational experiences that other people have had. So thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate everyone for listening. Thank
0: you. The ideas expressed by guests are not necessarily Colleen's personal beliefs. Information received from Helia is not to be used as a substitute for medical or psychological advice. See and hear more from Colleen by subscribing to The Lighter Side Network at www.thelightersidenetwork.com. The Lighter Side Network where the everyday meets the extraordinary. Made with Love by Jesse in Atlanta.